Welcome to Photo Mission Focus, Discussing Photography, a podcast all about the things that we love about photography. This is Focus on Rotation, where I have different hosts joining me at the desk as we share and learn each week. Come and enjoy this week's episode with us. Welcome to this edition of Photo Mission Focus Discussing Photography. I have photographer Darren Jew. Darren, how are you? I'm great today. Thank you, Steve. Darren, you're pretty well versed in the areas of wildlife photography. You're currently a Canon master, but you also won a number of awards in the wildlife area. What's... Uh, awards-wise, yeah, I'm able to jag the Australian Professional Nature Photographer of the Year, I think six times Yep. since about 2010. Prior to that, you know, I worked in conservation photography uh, as a photographer for the Queensland National Parks and Wildlife Service. So nature photography, wildlife photography has been what I've been doing really since the beginning of the 80s, mid middle of the 80s. Fantastic. So you're the right person to talk to because, I mean, the subject we kind of wanted to cover today was about how photography can help the environment and just kind of looking at that and I suppose some of the challenges, and like like most things, you know, it can be a double-edged sword, so we kind of unpack some of that, I mean, but, and we will talk about you're currently involved with the Canopy Awards, which is a good example of photography, but how do you believe photography can actually help the environment? Well, it, photography's got a really long history in, I guess, advocating for preservation and conservation of uh, natural areas and wildlife. From the early days, especially in the States, there was a photographer, uh, Watkins, uh, Carlton Watkins, who was uh, credited with some of the first pictures of Yosemite, which led to it being declared a national park. Yes, yep. And then I guess most of us know of Ansel Adams' work through the beginning of the 20th century in Yosemite, which led to the expansion of the park. That's been a an on, ongoing thing with photography. In the 60s and 70s, uh, some of the early conservation projects with wildlife, once long lenses started to become a thing, yes. you know, African wildlife became subject of photography and as that people started to see wildlife and places, then they started to want to conserve those things. So I guess that idea that photography was introducing people to wild places and, and species was able to be used to help conserve those things. Yep. And I suppose it could be, say, it could be said too that because people could actually see that wildlife through a long lens, um, people could kind of understand and appreciate that without actually physically having to go there. So that was kind of a, I suppose, let more people be able to share the beauty of nature. Yeah, for sure. And the photography was the vehicle through magazines mostly as vehicle for knowledge and understanding of these things and that as organisations started to protect wildlife, things like WWF, yep. they used photography quite extensively as a, as a hook to get people in in order to support the work that they were doing to protect areas. Yep, because the world's changed because I'm, I'm thinking back to things like National Geographic magazines and they were, always had these fantastic photo stories of these places and animals quite often. It was it was a really good way, I suppose, as a young fellow to be able to see that type of stuff. But 
it's kind of, you know, magazines, unfortunately, today are not quite as in the thick of it. It's more stuff on social media, isn't it, really? It's changed a little bit. Yeah. Commodifying of uh, imagery. Com- yep. Commercialization. Well, it's not so much just the commercialization, it's just the idea that there is so many pictures and they're so easy to see and there's no and there's no build up, there's no anticipation, there's no kind of that that idea that you had to wait a month to see your next edition of National Geographic. Yes. As opposed to just I've got five seconds of nothing to do. I'm going to flick through my feed um, and see thousands of pictures. Um, it's really diminished the individual image, um, and so the, in a way, the power of that image has been lessened yes. um, because of the availability of imagery. And I think that, that could be generally said about photography has been lessened to the point because back in the day where you shot film, you'd shoot your images on your film. You had no idea how whether you're successful or not, you had to wait until you got them processed and printed and then you saw them. So there was that kind of everyone appreciated that was the process. But now we've kind of like we want that instant hit. Yes, and they're, and they're just fed to us. Um, and And so even some of the most important conservation issues of the day are skimmed across now um so the imagery that needs to stop people and have them act has to really be very strong and and obviously tell good stories uh in order to kind of enlist some action from on behalf of the people that are looking yeah because i think that image you know overstimulation with images because like you said we see thousands of images a day and trying to get imagery that actually tells the story like you said that makes people stop and think about what they're seeing and maybe, you know, be able to question something about that, whether it's good, bad or indifferent, that's getting harder and harder to do. So, For sure. Yeah. Yeah, so the idea that photography can help conservation comes down to telling really clear stories, telling them in a, a different way. Yep. Getting them in into forums where they, they can make a difference. Yep. And for people who say, I mean, we have a lot of people of different, levels of their photography so when people hear sometimes about storytelling and images some people kind of struggle with well how do I tell a story with wildlife and there's I suppose there's a couple things that come to mind is if is a wildlife and they're eating then in their natural environment and eating the, the natural foods that they kind of eat that tells a story that's a healthy kind of area but if they're kind of now eating something different that they wouldn't need because they can't find what they normally eat. That's another story, isn't it, really? It is, yeah. And you see some of those, like some of the strongest conservation photography images of late have, that come to my mind are the polar bears up in the Arctic where the ice is retreating and they're not able to get out onto the, the pack ice to feed. Yep. So often those, it, it's kind of, it's changed from a, a time where a really nice picture of a polar bear would help protect polar bears, stop them being shot, because that was the immediate threat, to a point where the threats are way beyond those sort of direct threats that they used to have to more indirect threats. And so the stories have become harder to tell, in in my opinion. Protecting a panda, you can do that with a nice picture of a panda. But protecting the habitat of the panda 
is is a harder thing, harder story to tell. And and that's the thing that they need. That's the part they really need to be protected. For sure. And I guess that in terms of storytelling, that one of the things that I think about when I'm trying to create pictures that tell stories is just some of the classic storytelling techniques that you would use if you were asked to write an essay. Narrative, context, metaphor. If you think about those kinds of ideas and how you can use those visually within a, an image, then I, I guess you're using classical storytelling ideas in a visual context. Yep. So if before you, you took the image, so before you captured something, if you thought about like <clears throat> what do I want to tell the person who sees this picture, that can help you build that up. That's right. It's... um. Interestingly, I, I was asked to uh, come to go and talk to a camera club about a monthly subject that had been set, which was climate change, and they were after some ideas about what might be good subjects for that. And as I've been thinking about what I'm going to say for that, it there's lots of small parts that could be small parts of that puzzle that need to be brought into one big story. And and really the climate change story is hard to tell in one photo. Yes, it's yep. more of a photo story yep. that needs to be told. Because take a say climate change they're saying is going to create more intense and more frequent storms. A picture of a storm is a picture of a storm. Yes. It's not necessarily a picture of climate change. But when put together with other stories into a picture story then you can start to build up a narrative. Yes. I think it's always interesting because when whenever you photograph a subject, there's usually something that's happened prior to that point and that can be an important part of the story. So captured as a photo series rather than a single shot adds a lot more weight to it because as the viewer looks at it, you're actually kind of moving them forward in time so they can actually see the transition. For sure. When you think about some of the big um, photo stories that have, or bodies of work that have, have contributed to change over time, there's some single images amongst them, but there's a, a bigger body of work that really all comes together to tell that story. Yeah. Yeah. So the takeaway from this, I suppose, for people is to think about, like, when they get their camera out and they're going to go out and document something around in the wildlife is to kind of think through that process and, and have an, an idea before they take the shot. Yeah. I think this you hear quite often uh, photographers sometimes will talk about they've got this idea for this shot, they know what they want to take it before they get it and then they just got to go out and find it. Yeah. Um, and with wildlife, if uh, like a picture of a bird isn't necessarily a conservation picture. A picture of a bird is a picture of a bird. Yep. Context is everything. Yes. And in the in the haste for coming in close and filling the frame with a particular bird that looks really pretty, you kind of lose the fact that it lives in a place that is a forest or a grassland or or whatever. And I think when you're thinking about those ideas, if you think about context as a a driver for your storytelling, that'll probably be a good starting point. Yes. 
And I think that happens, I mean, quite often a lot of animals have been displaced because of things like clearing and other types of things. So so animals end up sometimes in environments that normally wouldn't be. Sure. And that can demonstrate those type of images of, of animals living in those type of conditions can demonstrate something about what's happening to their environment. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, with changing climate, we seem to be getting more tropical species down into more southern latitudes. I know, as an example, a common dive site near us here on the Gold Coast in in Queensland, there's been a lot more tropical species of fish turning up just occasionally, but just randomly never seen before. It's hard to... uh, It is hard to tell that story in one picture because if it's a picture of a fish... Yes, it's, um, it's, it, where, where is it taken? What do you mean? It's out of context, all yes. that kind of stuff. So they are, I think, the challenges that have seen climate change debate so polarizing over the last forty years, fifty years, are ones of the magnitude of the story that needs to be told, yes. and the difficulties in telling that story. So clear, concise aspects of the story are all going to come oh, i guess they're chapters in in a bigger in a bigger story yep for people to build up their visual literacy on what makes a good image is there some photographers that come to mind that do it quite well do you think yeah there's a few that are, you know they're doing it in different ways uh joel sartor is doing some good really good stuff in the conservation space I guess in recent times, the idea of conservation photography was really, as a as a genre, I suppose, is really only a fairly new construct. People yep. were taking wildlife and nature photos and photo documentary, photojournalism of natural areas in the past, but it's really only been in the last 10 or so years, I guess, that the term conservation photography has been coined. Yeah. Um, Christina Middemeyer, I think, brought it up at a congress in Alaska. I can't remember what year, but it's only fairly recently. Yep. And that they started the, or she, that was kind of the nexus of the International League of Conservation Photographers, which is this group of photographers whose mission is to, to use photography, really obviously, to, to affect change. Yep. It's pretty important that we... I suppose as photographers to do try and do what we can and I'm just thinking in our local backyard you know we have a, a very iconic animal in Australia that no matter where anyone listens to this podcast in the world they would have heard of the koala and to find now it's an endangered species is kind of it's I you know it's kind of nearly unbelievable you can't and it's it's shameful when I Started work at National Parks as a 19-year-old in 1986. One of the first people I met was a, a woman who was running the Australian Conservation Foundation who was trying to raise awareness of the fact that if we kept clearing trees, we were going to have no koalas by sort of 2030. And guess what? Yeah. They've just literally in the last month been put on the endangered list here in Australia because of habitat destruction yep. for development. And it is really confronting yep. to think that such an iconic animal, iconic on a world scale, could be treated with such disrespect. I, um, I think the the thing that kind of 
the sad part about koalas is because they've got a fairly unique diet that they can't just simply go off to another part and kind of thrive because the, the what they need is, isn't there. That's right. They have a particular food trees that they, they have. They've got territories like everybody out in the wild and uh, take out the trees. You, you know, I think, you know, one of the classic um, conservation catchphrases for koalas was no trees, no me. Yes. And uh, as we speak, there will be koala habitat being mown down. Yeah. Um, along the east coast of Australia. Yeah, and, and look, it is, it is kind of, like I said, it's it's to that point where, it, like I said, it, it almost, when I heard that, I, I'm going, is that, did I hear that right? The, you know, endangered? And I'm thinking to myself, and when you start doing a bit of research and, and, and start to understand the way, I suppose, that people are tearing down forests and doing this type of stuff, is that we do, you know, at some point, people who care need to kind of step up and do something to try and change the tide you know we kind of can't some of the stuff now has kind of probably gone past the point of no return but but at least we can try and slow it down as much as we can yeah and just keeping it on the on front of people's consciousness pretty pictures of of animals have their place for sure but if we can elicit some more stronger more confrontational images that might make a point i think that would be a good outcome yep. for photographers. They are harder to take. You know, you're putting yourself at um, at risk. You know, um, if you're if you're going into a a forest which is being cleared, you've got contractors who are being paid to cut down the trees. They don't want you around. Yeah. So it's it's kind of not necessarily a, a gentrified task, but it's an important one. It is, which leads me to something that you were involved with, which is the Canopy Awards. And one of the interesting things about this, this I suppose the idea of this competition, it's a, it's a primary, firstly, it's a photo competition, but the agenda behind it is quite unique with what happens with people's entry fee. For sure. So uh, I guess it comes, it came out of the idea that there was a lot more photos around now. And if somebody, I guess... At the start of my career, if I had a picture of a rainforest, it was a valuable thing because somebody might want to tell the story of a rainforest. Hard pictures, hard to come by, so they they had some value. And I know that my commercial work over those early years was really funding me being able to uh, donate imagery to conservation projects. But there's so many pictures now that. And, and a different dynamic in the kind of commercial realities of, of uh, uh, nature photography that coming up with a new way of having photography help protect rainforest yep. was really had to happen. And so I thought of the fact that, hey, lots of people are taking pictures and lots of people want to, you know, contribute. So what better way than showing the world how wonderful rainforests are, finding the best photos of rainforests, um, and at the same time use the, the entry fees, proportion of the entry fees to to protect some rainforest. So that's what we've done yep. um, in conjunction with Rainforest Rescue. So each entry, how much of 
like how much rainforest does an entry protect? Um, every entry protects one square metre of rainforest forever. So rainforest rescue do a few things. They plant trees and restore areas uh, of rainforest that have been degraded and pre uh, previously cleared. They replant them back into rich, diverse rainforest um, areas. But the other thing they do is they, they purchase land that is slated for development. Um, so existing blocks of rainforest yes. that could be um, purchased privately and cleared for a house block or whatever. Yep. So they protect those. They buy them up and protect those, put yep. conservation um, covenants on them. Yep. And so, um, yeah, every entry will, will protect um, one, one square metre of rainforest in the tropical north Queensland in the wet tropics. So so even if you enter it and you, and you don't produce the world's winning photog you know, photography image, you've done a little bit to help. You have, yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's important. I was talking about it in a podcast I did the other day about acting local, um, which will result in if everyone acted local and protected their little patch and we all did that, we, we, we'd have this global phenomena. Yep, think right? globally, act locally. <laughs> yep, that's the one. That's the one. So I think it's kind of important. So so the uniqueness of this competition really is the fact that, you know, you can enter and you can get a nice, you know, thing, say thanks for entering and blah, 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 but you're actually knowing that your uh, portion of your entry fee is going off to secure this parcel of land. So the more people that enter, the, the more the more that's going to be protected. So it's it's be sure. great for people to jump in there and do that for sure. And it's been really int interesting. The the entry window is open at the moment. It's um, been a, uh, opened up on the first of March and is closing on the thirty first. I think it's around half or two thirds of the people that are entering are ticking the box to add extra square meters of rainforest. Oh, okay. Um, at the time of their entry as well, yep. which is really interesting that people are um, really taking the opportunity to commit extra funds to the It's It's to good to know that there's, there's, there's still people out there that've got that social conscience and to be able to, and if they've got, if they've got the means to do that, that's fantastic to do that. So is the competition open to Australian residents only or can other people enter? No, it's um, to... It's global. Anybody can enter. There's a junior section and a open section. The photos can be rainforest anywhere. Um, we've got a um, a description of what a rainforest is because one of the things I learnt about in the making of the competition was the fact that there's a bit of um, controversy over what makes up a rainforest. Yep. So we've we've come up with a, a set of guidelines, and uh, we've got four categories. We've got wildlife habitats. Um, a section called Hidden Gems, which would, I guess would be the fungi and yes. um, water patterns and abstracts and back leaves and stuff. And a reportage section as well, which is, I guess, where the conservation photography fits in. And we'd be hoping that that is the, the kind of section of the competition that grows over time. Yep. So we will put into the show notes, we will put the URL for the entry, but just kind of, so it's... Um, run by Rainforest Rescue. Yep. Yep. It's the competition is there under their name. It's called the Canopy Awards. Canopyawards.org will get you. Yep. We'll, get like you so there. we'll have that in the show notes. Yep. But 
I think that the important thing is that, that it doesn't matter where you are listening in the world, that you can actually, this is a competition that's you can enter. It doesn't matter if you're in, you know, any, well, basically. Anyway, cost, we've, had, we've got people interested from Costa Rica already. Yep. We've got um, a guy from Suriname who's entering. There's lots of people from Australia already because yep. that's where most of our awareness is so far. But yeah, any anybody can enter. The major prize is a, a, um, a trip to the Daintree Rainforest in North Queensland. Yep. Supplied by the major sponsors, uh, Silky Oaks up yep. there, and plus um, three thousand dollars cash to to get you there. Um, yes. If you're if you need an airfare, if you need an airfare to jump on yep. the plane and fly, if, and, and, if, Australia, and Australia's open. Yeah, it is. You, you yeah, can, the borders can, are open finally. Yeah. <laughs> you can come and visit us. You can. Double vaxxed and you you can come in yeah. through through the border without quarantine. Yeah, so, that's it. Yeah. Okay. So that's so we've got the major prize, which is that trip in North Queensland plus the the cash to go with it. Yep. And the, each of the categories has a um, a five hundred dollar cash prize and a a really cool camera bag from F Stop. Okay. Gear. Very so, good. So so the images could be taken. You could go out and take them tomorrow and then enter that, yep. or it could be a picture you took many years ago. Yeah, we figured because everybody's had a bit of, uh, there's been all these restrictions around the world the last couple of years, we figured that it would be okay to open up the competition to photos that are not necessarily taken in the last 12 or 18 months, two years, whatever. Yep. So any time you've taken the shot. Uh, you're welcome to enter it for sure. Yeah, and it might be a chance to revisit some older shots and reprocess them with the modern, modern uh, or the latest version of Lightroom or Photoshop or whatever. So. And, and interesting enough, there's a lot of people. I've seen a bit of chatter on the on the groups we're on. People have gone back for some of their older images and they've got better editing skills now, so they've actually been able to bring out more out of an old image that they once thought was a mediocre image, and actually now they're kind of proud of that image yeah there's a there's there's a lot to be said for not throwing away pictures yes um, I, one, one, one of the things i teach people when we talk about photography and they want to learn photography i say you never delete off your camera never delete anything off your camera get them on your computer and really have a good look at them and sometimes you know unless it's obviously unsalvageable it's amazing because as people get their skills later on down the track they can go back to an image where they thought, oh, the shadows, you know, there's a lot, not much happening. Then they learn that they can actually start to bring stuff out the shadows and all of a sudden, oh, this is actually a really nice shot. Yeah, yeah and, so. and you really do not know what the next bit of technology is going to offer in terms of repairing things. Yes, so, yes, uh, some of the AI type stuff in, well, I think if the holy grail, Darren would be if we could have one when we missed the focus that we could really just take an old photo <laughs> <laughs> and refocus it yeah. and refocus it. <laughs> that would be that would be my dream technology to have. So, yeah. so the Canopy Awards are currently open till the end of March. March. Yep. Yep. So people would go to the website. There's a portal or something they sign That's up. That's right. You can go via the CanopyAwards.org uh, URL and you'll you'll get all the information there. And there's a link to the competition portal which is on photocompetitions.com.au yep. that's uh, photocompetitions is the back end system where you do all your uploading and and uh, it's where you get your report card and all that kind of stuff so so all the relevant information is on there like the, the file size they can upload 
that's all readily available there. They can see that quite easily. For sure. Yep, it's all there and the terms and conditions are there so you know what you can and can't enter. And yeah, any any other questions that you have, you can kind of contact support through there. But yeah, we, you know, there's a, f- a few aspects of it. There's the, the grand prize, which is the uh, overall winner. We've got our four categories, plus we've got a People's Choice Award as well, which is, I guess, another chance to spread the word about rainforests. We'll be encouraging people to share their pictures as part of the People's Choice Awards, which will do two things. It will it will help their votes, um, but it will put rainforests in front of more and more eyes. Yes, so, yeah. Because trees are the answer. Rainforests are really important in terms of, as, as it's not... not the only answer to all of the the globe's problems, but uh, it's one of the pieces it's, it's, of the it's puzzle. One, it's one that we can do something about. You know, it's it's going to be difficult for people to maybe uh, immediately turn away from using fossil-based fuels because of they need to get from A to B. But if they've got the, I suppose they've got the the land or they've got the opportunity to plant trees somewhere to offset that, that's a good start. Yeah, you and. Know? Um, where Rainforest Rescue, uh, the beneficiaries of, of the competition, where they do their work up in North Queensland is around watercourses that are have water flowing down the rivers in onto the Great Barrier Reef. And historically, since industrialisation, the Great Barrier Reef has suffered from reduced water quality because of urban runoff and industrial runoff and agricultural runoff yep. through the rivers. And they... By replanting watercourses, you increase, you you reduce the amount of sediment that's reaching the reef, so the reef stays healthier and more resilient against other factors such as increased water temperatures. Yep, it's such a it, it is it is a kind of a very complex system that happens. That, yeah, as trees, you know, part of their, their role is they do filtration, so they filter the water, so the water, you know, obviously mm. better. And of course, everything has evolved around that model. Yes, so, yeah, <laughs> so, for millions of years, yes. and then it's taken us a couple of hundred to, yeah, to really that, spoil it. Unfortunately, stuff can't adapt that quickly. Where it can't, you know, you know, adapt and change the way it's um, it processes stuff. So it's kind of important that we do what we can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, you know. Probably for me, the most significant conservation photograph ever taken was you know, the earth from space taken yep. in the 60s because yep. it put everything in context. It's that sort of notion that we're dealing with a really big issue and how you might be able to capture that. Yep. That'll, that's really a challenge for people to come up with. You know, if you're, if you're after a challenge in your photography, what better one? Just imagine, just imagine this. Someone could enter a picture, say someone in the National Space Station, and they've got access to a camera and the internet, which I'm sure they've got access to those some way. Yep. They could enter a photo. They could. There'd be no reason why they did they couldn't. They could be flying over a section of the world where yep. there's rainforests and yep. and they could, that'd be a really cool picture. For sure. And the reportage category specifically talks about um, issues that affect rainforest. So you don't have to take it inside the rainforest if the issue if the subject of your of your picture yep. is having an effect on a rainforest yes so that gives you a bit more broader scope yes interesting 
Mm. So we'll put all the relevant details into the show notes, like I said, so people can go there. But it's kind of one of those competitions that's really has a good ethical framework around it. It's been done for the right reasons. You know, you can, like I said, with the part of the entry fee protecting some a portion of rainforest and obviously the opportunity maybe to highlight something that you're passionate about as a photographer that you could, this is a vehicle that you can go out there and get your, get your images out there. For sure. Um, having a purpose for your photography really helps in terms of your development and I know that it's been really important for me over the years to, to even whether it happened or not, the idea that I was taking pictures in order to help protect uh, nature really is the thing that keeps me going. It's sometimes, you know, hard to make a direct relationship between a particular picture and an outcome. Yes. But it is much easier to take a picture if you've got a good purpose behind it and to keep keep going and keep at it. Yeah, fantastic. Mm. Look, Darren, thanks for coming in and sharing a little bit about the Canopy Awards. I think it's a really great incentive. Like, and, I, and hopefully more photo competitions and different things around the world will get more you know, involved in these type of programs. So we can, as all as photographers, all kind of help contribute to do our little bit. Yeah, for sure. It's a big community and the more people behind it, the better. Great stuff. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Steve. That's all for this episode this week. Thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment and don't forget to follow us on your favourite podcast app and social media sites. Remember, photography is a pursuit where there's always something new to learn. Safe and happy shooting, everyone. Music